The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. Very important topic today. Get this. I don't know whether it's summer, spring, or fall where you are, our listeners all over the world, but the heat is on. What is she talking about? Well, I'm not the weather girl, so let's get started. Your company is under pressure, all kinds of pressure from all kinds of areas. You have to improve transparency. You need to improve intimacy and trust with your internal stakeholders, maybe even more important than with your external stakeholders. Your business has to be digitally on all the time. That's 24-7. And... As if that wasn't enough to worry about, your CFO must command a more strategic role in the business. Yes, we talk about that all the time here on Financial Excellence with Game Changers. But question on the table. A lot to do, a lot of pressure. As I said, the heat is on. Is there one answer to help you solve all of these challenges? Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing? And the answer is, yeah, we think there is. You can streamline your partner interactions, your finance operations, and everything else I talked about by centralizing finance shared services across your enterprise. If you get nothing else out of this hour, think finance shared services. What does it do for you besides all these wonderful solutions we talked about? Well, it'll enhance your productivity. Who doesn't want that? It will support new service levels. Who doesn't want that? It will speed time to collaboration and it will increase automated processing quality and a lot more. So, Technology. I haven't mentioned anything about technology, just finance shared services. What are we talking about? How do you get there? What kind of technology do you need to make this all happen? I'm just going to ask my engineer, do we have Andre yet or are we, we are waiting for Andre to join us? Michael? I think we're waiting for Andre. So I'm still waiting. Okay, so I'm going to start off with our first esteemed panelist. He is Christopher Junot, J-U-N-E-A-U. He is the Concur Vice President of Marketing of the Americas Global Accounts and Channel Marketing. And Chris has sent me a quote from Steve Jobs. Uh, Coincidentally, I don't know if Chris knows this, Steve Jobs passed away October 5th, 2011. That was the day we debuted our flagship series here, Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. We got the news about two hours later that Steve Jobs had passed away. Anybody been hiding under a rock, for goodness sake? Steve Jobs is widely recognized as a pioneer of the microcomputer revolution of the 1970s, along with his Apple co-founder, Steve Wozniak. And shortly after his death, Steve Jobs' official biographer, here's a little piece of trivia, Walter Isaacson, described him as a creative entrepreneur whose passion for perfection and ferocious drive revolutionized six industries, personal computers, animated movies, music, phones, tablet computing, and digital publishing. Talk about leaving your mark. And here is the quote. I have just a piece of it, and I'm going to let Chris explain the rest. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Chris Juno, welcome to Game Changers. How are you, Chris? I'm great, Bonnie. Thank you very much. And what a coincidence, uh, being the uh, uh, start of your program, the same uh, with the passing of Steve yeah. Jobs. I know. Very, very interesting. That's why people say, well, when did you start Game Changers? I said, well, it was, it was October 5th, 2011. How do you remember that? I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. But when an icon like Steve Jobs passes away, it's just, I don't know, one of those dates. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Tell me how you picked this quote. What are we talking about connecting the dots you can't do them looking forward. You've got to do them looking backwards. Talk to me. Great, Bonnie. Yeah, the, I, I chose that quote because uh, in, in my career experience and in, uh, with organizations that continue to innovate, one of the things that you hear from, from a lot of companies is that we're, we're led by our customers. And it struck me 
that customers and what they desire is simply one input. And as I look back over uh, my career and some of the innovations that the companies I've worked with have delivered, at times the customer did not want that innovation or did not know they wanted that innovation. So it was one of those things of, of realizing and looking at all the potential inputs and then in the, in the, uh, the continuation of the quote, following your gut or following in good karma will happen in the case of Steve Jobs and all their innovation. And that's, that's found that very useful in my career as well. Thank you very much. I'm looking for the entire quote. Um, do you have the entire quote in front of you? I know it was much longer than that. I do have the entire quote in front of in front of me as I'm scrolling on down, and yes. I, get, I want to make sure I get it completely correct. Uh, uh, there's on. Um, oh shoot! I oh. Uh, here it is. And the rest okay. of the quote was, uh, so you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down, and it has made all the difference in my life. Wow. Very, very profound. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Chris Juno. Looking forward to a lot more words of wisdom from you. Let me bring on our second panelist, and we're still trying to get our third panelist on. We're having a little phone issue here. Martin Narashevsky, Vice President of Finance Solutions at SAP, has sent me a quote from Stephen Hawking. I don't think Stephen Hawking has been quoted often on our show. Those of you wondering, Stephen Hawking has so many letters after his name, C-H-C-B-E-F-R-S-F-R-S. Essay born January 8th, 1942. He's an English theoretical physicist, cosmologist, author, and director of research at the Center for Theoretical Cosmology within the University of Cambridge in the UK. And his book, A Brief History of Time, appeared on the British Sunday Times bestseller list for a record breaking 237 weeks. Uh, those of you who've seen Stephen Hawking, I know there was a movie made about him recently. He is in a wheelchair with all kinds of devices. He has a rare early onset onset slow progressing form of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis that's ALS it's a motor neuron disease that has paralyzed him over the decades uh, he has been married twice interesting he gets around anyway and he's quite a guy here's the quote we are all now connected by the internet like neurons in a giant brain Martin Narashevsky welcome to Game Changers how are you yeah hello yeah excellent great to be here Thank you very much. Talk to me about your quote. Yeah, I mean, um, this is really, for me, the essence how um, the Internet is really changing things. Um, the, the human brain is really not working like our individual computers are. They are following instructions to do this step by step. The human brain is really having all of these neurons and they're exchanging information. And somehow then from all of these different things, a new state of knowledge and and intelligence is forming, and this is also what the internet is doing then at a higher level with us people. We are all exchanging this information, and now this is all via um, portals and whatsoever all visible, and we are now getting to a new level of recognition of, of intelligence, of knowledge that is completely um, unprecedented and would never be possible if we would just act on our own. So this analogy I find pretty striking. You know? Thank you very much. Any comments from you about the quote from Chris Juno from Steve Jobs? You can't connect the dots looking forward, only looking backwards. It's very unusual. Any thoughts, Martin? Uh, yeah, I, I very much like that as well. And the idea which is behind it, this um, not just extrapolating from the things you're hearing from your customer, do what they're telling you, but really with some intuition, looking what you're seeing and trying to move forward. And then in the aftermath, people are saying, oh, this all made sense because of this and that. But when you're starting things, it really doesn't. And you need to have the courage to step into doing something new, which is not paved, which is not provable. I very much like that one. It is very, it is very um, true in a sense that the true innovation is coming from that kind of approach. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, just for our listeners to know, we are waiting for our third panelist, who is Andre Hutznicek from Capgemini, to join us. And we're having a little bit of an issue with the phones right now. So we're trying to find another conference line for Andre to join us, and we will get him on in just a couple of minutes. But in the meantime, Chris, you know, we're going to jump ahead a little bit in the show, and I'm going to ask you, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking right now, as in what's in your cup today? Fantastic. I'm actually calling you from Atlanta, Georgia, actually Hartsfield Airport, well, of all places. Um, I'm en route back to Seattle, and in my cup is a very tall glass of sweet iced tea, quite, uh, quite symbi- um, symbi- symbi- 
symptomatic of, of, the, of the Great Sal. Thank you. Brett. Tell me, what is it? <laughs> Iced tea, since I am originally from the South, is, 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 is a very Southern drink, and uh, sweetened iced tea specifically, I should be saying. And uh, the way you properly do sweetened iced tea is you bring the water to a boil to make the tea and add the sugar as the water is boiling to maximize the sugar concentration. It is not simply adding sweetener after you've, made, after you've poured yourself a glass of tea. So the sugar content is extremely high, and it's a treat since I haven't had it uh, in quite a number of years. Thank you very much. And Martin Narashevsky, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? Yeah, I'm just calling from Berlin. Um, that's my home place. I'm here in the SAP office. And, um, well, and my cup today is currently only a glass of mineral water, but maybe let's talk about what I would like to have in my cup today. Um, so uh, it's a story around Pisco Sour. That's a drink from Southern America. And actually, it's going back to more than 10 years ago um, when we had our honeymoon. Um, we did our cruise around Fireland in southern Patagonia, and this was not the kind of luxury um, cruise. It was really going with Zodiac to the beach and then walking with rubber boots to the mud to the glacier and stuff like that. But then when we returned to the ship, then they had this Pisco Sour, which we didn't know before. It's a kind of a cocktail made of brandy, um, lime juice, and things like sugar, things like that. So very nice. And it was a very nice, let's say, counterpoint to the um, adventure out there. Very, very nice. So, Andre Capgemini, Senior VP, Business Services Innovation, is a Senior VP in Business Services responsible for innovation. And, Andre, we've already gone around the table and had your co-panelists, Chris Juno at Concur and Martin Arashevsky at SAP, give their quotes and even their coffee drinks, or whatever they're drinking. So we're going to catch up with you right now. So you sent me a quote from Warren Buffett, the American business magnate, investor, and philanthropist. Uh, in 2012, I don't know if everybody Everybody knows this. Time magazine named Warren Buffett one of the world's most influential people. He's also referred to as the Wizard of Omaha and the Oracle of Omaha and the Sage of Omaha. I guess that's where he came from. And he is the chairman, CEO, and largest shareholder of Berkshire Hathaway and one of the world's wealthiest people, the third wealthiest wealthiest person in the world in 2015. That's a tongue twister. Here's the quote, and uh, Warren Buffett should know. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. Andre, officially welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Tell me how you picked this quote from Warren Buffett and how does it relate to our topic on financial services. Go ahead, Andre. I, I mean, I'm a big believer that actually value is important. It's not only just price. It's not only the cost. I mean, there are important things that we need to consider, and especially in the, in the context of the topic today. I mean, if you think about this, I mean, from various different angles, like, for example, from the employee engagement perspectives, I mean, user experience, was it good, was it easy for me, for example, to, to book a trip, to claim money back? Uh, was I able to do it on the go? Am I, am I happy or am I frustrated from my user experience? For the company, I mean, for example, do I have a global visibility? Do I have an insight? I mean, is it easy for me to control? I mean, is it easy for me to assure compliance? For the society, from the environment, I mean, does it feel right from the environment standpoint and so on? So I, I think it's, I mean, value is very important. And I'm focusing on the value from various different angles. I think this is what I believe. This is where my strong belief comes from. Is is more than just cost. It's more than just price. Thank you very much. And talking about value and price, I don't know what you paid for what's in your cup today. I'm sure you've been had a little agita trying to get through to the show. Andre, where are you calling from and what time of day is it? And are you drinking something fabulous or are you planning to drink something very interesting after the show? Tell me. I mean, um, obviously planning to drink something very interesting after the show. Uh, when it comes to what I'm drinking now, I must tell you that I drank all my black hot coffee trying to get into the call. I mean, I, I use various <laughs> different numbers. So I use all my fabulous coffee. But I can tell you what I was drinking. I had a big mug, six in a row today, of black, very nice coffee to and I'm hoping it will keep me till the evening it is about 5:20 p.m. where I'm here I'm calling from Poland and where in Poland I mean fabulous beautiful city of Kraków it's getting just 
dark now. It's about the freezing point, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to the rest of the day. Thank you very much. We're happy to have you on, and thank you for joining us. We were just about to define shared services. Uh, Chris Juno, since I had already asked you, I don't want to waste that opportunity. Can you tell me what shared services are? I talked in my opening about streamlining your finance operations and partner interactions by centralizing finance shared services across the enterprise. So why don't we just get started on this, and then we'll go to break in just a couple of minutes. Chris? Sure. So as you talked about shared services, it's a, I would also build on that definition. It's, it's, it's a center of excellence with regard to a given set of business processes, which typically would touch uh, as many employees within an organization. It could be email to managing payroll to, to managing benefits to managing, you know, uh, procure invoice, uh, invoices in, into, into the business into, uh, to travel booking, to expense reporting, any, any, uh, any group of services um, with technology applied uh, that touches many employees uh, and, that, and underlying that requires a core set of expertise as well uh, to deliver those services. Thank you. Andre, let me have you join in here. Thoughts on what Chris just shared? Agree, disagree? Want to expand it? I mean, agree. I mean, basically, I mean, in terms of the shared services, I mean, clearly they have different scope of the service. I mean, they typically uh, provide the services on a global basis for the uh, for various different units. I mean, there are different stages of a maturity among the shared services. So I like to think about that there are various different ways. I mean, first, probably stage is looking more from the assuring the, the continuous service more on the transactional level than focusing the next level is focusing on truly global basis to support in a consistent way various different players uh, in respective where, where they are. So um, supporting the global companies in the global markets, providing very consistent service. And the third level is actually also looking at what additional insights can be driven and can be provided to the business. So, I mean, providing analytics, providing the insight to the transactions, assuring further control, and so on. Mm-hmm. So, so, yes, I mean, definitely from the scope perspective, finance, HR, IT, facilities, and so on, and various different stages. Uh, so the, 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 the true global business services actually are at the highest maturity level, providing the true value to, and, and business partnering to the, serv- to the, to the organizations. Thank you very much. And Martin Narashevsky at SAP. Thoughts on our, what we're trying to define here in terms of finance shared services? What are your thoughts, Martin? Yeah, the shared services movement that we've seen over the last five to ten years is really critical or was really critical to pave the way to what we are now talking about digital finance automation. I mean, originally when it got started, the motivation was more or less labor cost arbitrage to just have lower um, cost, so to say, of, of the people working in finance. But then what was the second stage of the transformation was really getting to a harmonization of processes. Um, now with all of the people in one place, it was easier to work with them, to get them to work on the same concept. There was a change anyway with new people coming in. And this um, standardization and harmonization, uh, which we've seen now in the last couple of years, um, of processes, of procedures, this is a very critical um, prerequisite for what we're now doing or planning to do with all of this digitalization because if you don't have this harmonization and then as a result harmonize data um, it's very difficult to make something out of that yeah? and you won't have the discipline that you need in order to be in real time so it was an important um, way to pave the ground but now new things are going to emerge and that will have a fundamental impact also on the shared services world. Thank you. Interesting word you used, Martin. You used the word harmonization. I I never think of harmonization when I think of financial operations or a CFO. It almost sounds like too musical and not green eyeshade enough. Am I wrong? What is the meaning of harmonization? Is this something that the finance profession embraces? Is this a goal? Is this the underpinnings of making everything successful in the shared services, this harmonization? Uh, yeah, maybe instead of harmonization, you could say standardization, just making sure that um, processes that before that have been run in a subsidiary in Italy in a different way, maybe than in Poland and in France and in Germany, 
um, or in the U.S. or in uh, Mexico to make sure you're applying maybe not 100% um, the same processes. That's why harmonizing is sounding a little bit less strict than standardization mm -hmm. because there may be tax differences and some other regulatory differences. But to make them as close as possible in the way how they have done to make sure there's a consistency, same procedures, comparables are really comparable. And that um, was then laying the groundwork for having more automation on top of that. Thank you very much. Andre, you want to say anything about, I, I wasn't meaning to mince words, Martin, in terms of, you know, picking a little bit of a phrase here and there, but I just thought it was interesting, uh, and you did decide, you did divide standardization from harmonization. I think one is a little more flavor of the other. Uh, Andre, any comments on that? Is that worth pursuing? I mean, I mean, definitely. I mean, standardization is an important mean, I would say, to the next step, which is the automation. So, if you mm -hmm. think about the logic, uh, following the certain logics, I mean, if you look at the at the set of the processes across different geographies, across different countries, I mean, obviously, I mean, from the local perspective, people uh, like to think, I mean, yes, we are different, we have something different here, there is a need to do things on an exceptional basis, and, and to some extent it is true, because there are certain legal constraints, there are some tax regulations and so on, but to a, to a great degree, the processes can be standardized, I mean, can be harmonized, I mean, whichever word we use, and, and this is an important foundation, so following the lodging, looking at the activities that do not bring any value, so how can we eliminate them, standardize what can be standardized to the maximum degree, say 80-90% across the board, and then the important step is the technology and automation. So I think what is also important to mention when we look today at the today's world, at the today's shared services or the global business services, is the next wave, which is automation. So leveraging the technology of today, improving the, the user experience, but also automating certain steps of the process, providing the online access, providing the mobility, and so on, leveraging the robotic process automation. So I think, I mean, it is, it is a fantastic and actually very exciting evolution that we are seeing. So following from this standardization, leveraging the automation to assure fastest, uh, more efficient, but also services that provide the, the analysis, provide the, the real-time analytics uh, almost on the go. So I think it's, it's, it's very exciting. Thank you very much. I think that's a great overview. Uh, Chris Juno, I concur. I'm just going to get your POV on this before we go to break. Thoughts, Chris? We've covered a lot of territory since you started your definition. What do you think? We have, and I think harmonization lends itself ultimately to, I think what both what, uh, Andreas and Martin are, uh, are referring to is, is really we're now about to move beyond just the transaction, beyond the process. Now it's about this experience and about the insights in terms of the information that may be captured through those processes. So a lot more, a lot more to build upon. Thank you very much. And we have a lot more to talk about when we come back from break. I'm going to give my panel, you're probably all exhausted by now. Andre, we're so happy to have you. We have Andre and it's Hutnizak, I believe, at Capgemini. Chris Juno at Concur and Martin Naraszewski at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and I plan to be after the break. Don't try to talk me out of it. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. Those of you keeping count, Chris Grundy, our sponsor at SAP, has come back for this is season five. Chris, we love having your your guests on and your your uh, key people and your team on. It's always a great conversation. It's so important to talk about finance as they become the stewards of the business and not just the keepers of the spreadsheets. We know that already. Our topic today, streamlining your finance operations. The experts speak, and indeed they do, and they already have. We're going to take a quick break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. 
S4 HANA Finance, powered by SAP, is part of SAP S4 HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4 HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4 HANA Finance at SAP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We are Bonnie DeGrand back with Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We have Andre Hootnizak at Capgemini. We have Christopher Juno at Concur, C-O-N-C-U-R. And we have Martin Narashevsky at SAP. Our topic today is streamlining your finance operations. And we have three experts helping us figure this all out. Now it's time to take a little look back in history and let's see where this all came from. Andre has told me the following in his notes. He says, technology and digitization are disrupting the accounting profession. Ten years ago, a person needed to be a good accountant. Now, ah, they need to be, listen up, if you hear nothing else from this show, get this. Now, that person in finance needs to be a stellar communicator focused on customer experience, a problem solver, and tech savvy. The computerization of accounting methods has led to a drastic change in the accounting skill set. Andre, this is profound. Talk to me, please. Tell me more. I mean, definitely. So, I mean, if you look back, I mean, what did matter primarily was the knowledge. The, I mean, taking an accountant as an example, so, I mean, the knowledge, I mean, how to close the book, how to post the invoice, I mean, how to settle the cash, and so on and so forth. But with the emergence of the technology, actually some of these transactions get automated. Some of them get eliminated. Some of them happen really in the background. So what the person needs to be really good at is how to leverage these technologies, how to supervise robots, for example, how to program them, how to make sure that, um, that we use what is available in the best possible way and spend time in different areas. So, I mean, one thing is leveraging the technology, but also leveraging the data available to see what, what are the patterns, how to predict certain trends, looking more into the future with the forward thinking, looking at the analysis, what can happen, what are the, the insights that I can bring to, to my business, so how can I find certain correlations and so on and so forth to actually to, to bring back some useful information for my CFO, for my controller, or for, for whoever. So I think it, it is an interesting thing. Um, and when it comes to the, to the skill set, it is definitely different. So it's more leveraging the technology background, being able to, to use the software, being able to program some simple scripts, sometimes more sophisticated, and, and leverage the, also the ability to analyze data and provide the uh, the sensible uh, recommendations. So I think I think this this is what is definitely changing. Thank you very much. Very very interesting, Christopher Juneau. Do you agree with this 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 huge shift in the qualifications to do your job as a, an accountant? And I assume we're talking about anybody in finance profession, anybody with a CPA. Chris, you want to expand for me, please? 
Uh, completely, I completely agree with Andre. It's because we've, we've, we've also seen now that and it's, uh, finance is pushing further with regards to technology in terms of making decisions about technology to, to enable them, and Andre has uh, said it, to, to look forward in their business. And, and that's where you sort of see that shift in, fi- in, in, in a financial role that they're being forced with the fast pace of, uh, of everyone's business to look more forward. So therefore, then now they're looking for technology, making technology buying decisions. And in doing so, it's creating a, an interesting dynamic now between IT and finance, where IT may have been the one making those decisions. And now it's finance and other portions of line of business who are making those decisions because they are having become tech savvy over time. And it's now a key requirement of this role. Very interesting. Thank you. Martin Arashevsky at SAP. Thoughts on this, please? So um, pretty much the same opinion than um, the two colleagues here. Automation and experience are the two keywords, so to say. Automation is really getting rid of this repetitive task and then helping finance organizations to focus on providing more value to the business, a better experience, uh, just to use the name, the word again. Um, how can the rest of the organization get better access to the information they need? So this is really turning around from um, the rest of the organization feeding data into a finance machine and they're producing a report in the end to becoming really a service provider for the business organization. And this means more flexible, smarter um, selling, so to say what you're doing, being tech savvy to have the platform in place, all of the things that were mentioned here. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Andre, I'm going to go back around to you. Any thoughts on what your co-panelists have shared before we move on to another topic? I mean, difficult to disagree. I would just end maybe another point is, I think, is leveraging digitization and leveraging the technology. I think we can also serve better our customer. And I mean here both the external customer, which is, which is obvious, but also looking from the shared services organization point of view, the internal customer leveraging the technology available, being connected, being able to to provide a quick and relevant response, engage them, leveraging, for example, the gamification for the engagement purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, when it comes to to, uh, encouraging, when it comes to, for example, passing on some new information, whether this is learning, whether this is education, and so on. So I think... I think this is very important because, I mean, if we look uh, for the futures, I mean, most of the decisions will be by the buyers will be based by the customer experience decisions. So same, I think, applies internally within the organization. Shared services have the function also have the responsibility to be, to be close to their internal customers and, and, and digitization also provides great leverage to, to be closer, to be more relevant, and to enhance the business partnering. So I think that's, that's, that's very important. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to a, a different twist on this. I don't think we've covered this much at all, if we even did. Christopher Junot would concur. I know you want to talk about uh, travel industry, but Chris, first let's talk about if you don't have a mobile-first strategy for your shared services initiatives, you say, and this I can hear you almost pounding the gavel, you do not have a strategy. Chris Junot, tell me, how important is this? Are you, are you sure? Are you adamant? Absolutely adamant, and I was pounding my computer just then. Um, <laughs> I can tell. It, it, it gets back to what our, our, our other panelists have already said, and a, a few of us have used the word experience. Each of us in our daily lives has at least two, typically one to three mobile devices, you know, uh, smart tablets, uh, smartphones, and so forth. So we are constantly engaged with that device. And so in, in a, as we outside of work, and we expect now to be able to interact with any enterprise application that enables us to get a, to do our job efficiently and effectively, we expect to use that same, we, we expect to consume that technology for our enterprise via our mobile. And when we don't, Users get frustrated, and back to Andreas's point, shared services in terms of delivering the experience with the key stakeholders throughout the business, if you can't deliver a mobile experience for the services that you're providing, you're likely uh, leaving a major component of that experience and, and potentially impacting your, your, your stakeholder satisfaction. Thank you very much. It is, it is critical. It's the way we live, right, Chris? There's no it secret is. about it. it. We're all mobile. Absolutely. 
You know, Chris, we all hear that personal lives, everything we do personally, the ease with which we get apps, the ease with which we purchase devices and learn to use them and share information and become social, it is permeating business and think from the inside out, the customer, the people you're going to be doing business with in your network and your business network and your shared network and your partners, they're real people like your people are. So you have to bring that ease and bring that familiarity and that mobility into what you're doing. Is that a, I know it's long-winded, but is that an okay way to say it? It is. It's an excellent way to say it. And as we, you know, speaking of financial professionals, both being very technology savvy, previously they may not have given much thought to the end user experience. But now it's primary uh, in front of mine as, as, as financial uh, decision makers and buyers evaluate uh, our technology. They're putting the, their end user experience, their key, to- key stakeholders experience as upfront as the analytics component um, of, of any solution. Thank you very much. Martin Arashevsky, love to get your thoughts on this issue of a mobile-first strategy for shared services that Chris Juno just brought up. Martin? Yeah, um, I do agree. I'm, I maybe would like to narrow it at least from a lot of the use cases down to the tablets. The tablets really made the big difference. And it's, of course, there's the mobile aspect of it, but it's the combination of the mobile plus the new user experience which made a difference. And what I'm having in mind is, in particular, um, how can we give decision-relevant information to the decision-makers in the business? And that's an experience, and then maybe the CFO or maybe the CEO or some other line managers, and, and that's an experience we made in our company, we made it with our customers. That We tried a lot already before with PCs and all kinds of analytics to give information on PCs. But the breakthrough was really um, the tablets with their different ways of engaging, their seamless way and intuitive way of engaging. But then also the form factor to have relevant information on the device, that was the breakthrough somehow. And these devices um, really ensured that people are feeling comfortable getting to a system, going to a system, consuming information directly off that in a meeting, in a setting where they are. So uh, that's there are certainly also use cases where the mobile phones and other devices are relevant uh, when I'm traveling, for example, expensing and so on. But it's really the tablet revolution that made a big difference from our perspective. Thank you. Let me circle back to Andre at Capgemini. Andre, thoughts? I mean, definitely. So, I mean, I fully agree. I think we talked about the user experience, the ease of use. I mean, especially important for the clients. I mean, as we know... Today, I mean, how easy it is to do something, how easy it is for me to buy something. I mean, it, it very much drives whether I'm actually going for it. So, I mean, it is of key importance. But I would like to also draw attention to two other bits. Uh, one is the mobility from the overall corporate perspective or the approval perspective. So, like CFO, I mean, it doesn't need to necessarily be in the building, he may be flying here and there. He may be even on the beach, but actually if there is something important so he can use, he or she can use their mobile device and, and approve, reject, command, and so on. So I think that's, that's one aspect. Important other aspect is the world of today is very much moving into the world or virtual work, workforce. So when we talk about shared services or global business services, we and to think about a building, a place where people are co-located, they are working. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. some have better uh, buildings, maybe they, the other have different. But I think we are entering into the world, and, uh, or we are actually already in the world, where the wor- workforce is virtual. It doesn't really matter where you sit. You may be working from home. You may be working from a nice place in a cafeteria. Here and there, you may be actually traveling somewhere, and the ability to connect all these people uh, so that they can uh, work. I mean, also important is to to source um, from various different sources the 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 capabilities, especially that in the global economy, the war for talent uh, becomes uh, even more important. And not to mention the aspect of the innovation. So if you are able to leverage the, the mobility, if you are able to plug in as many people as possible to expand your pool of innovation, to, to use the crowdsourcing techniques to get the ideas, 
for the better uh, products, for the better ideas, for the more streamlined processes, and so on and so forth for your enterprise, the better off you are. So I think I mean, mobility plays already a very, very important role, and I think this role will even increase in the future. Thank you very much. Very appreciated. Let me scroll down to my notes from Martin Narashevsky at SAP. Martin, we've covered a lot of the information, the interesting topics you sent me, but here's one I don't know if we've covered, and uh, this is kind of a fact versus myth and true versus false. Let me read it, and then you can expand. Martin says, giving your business people in your company direct access to relevant financial information is the best way to drive a performance culture. And then he adds, some customers believe they'll need to first establish a stronger performance culture in their company before a broader rollout of real-time analytics, and they say that makes sense, but based on Martin's experience, the opposite is true. Martin, can you elaborate for me, please? Yeah, um, that's an observation we have made um, many times that being able to do something is creating appetite. And if you're not used to do something, then you're also not asking for it. And um, what I meant with performance culture is um, a culture where performance is also being measured and, and people are really looking at how are we making progress. And that's the old saying um, that what's not being um, measured is also not being managed, and there's a lot to be a lot true in that. But it's not just the fact of measuring it; it's really the fact of the people managing, overseeing what's happening, how is it reacting, where are we? And um, if you're trying to get everything into the right shape and you have all of the data with perfect quality, and people really want to have all of the stuff, everybody's asking for that. Only you're rolling out; you will never roll out. It's just people cannot imagine, and this is maybe also coming a little back, a bit back to the quote from Steve Jobs from the beginning, just a lot of people cannot imagine how the world can be different. And then there are some who are investing a lot of more time because it's their job maybe um, to think about how can the world be different and create new tools or new ways of doing it, either on the IT side of a company or a comp- the companies are producing these tools. Um, and then just seeing is believing, giving things into the hand of people showing them what can be done differently. This is opening so many different perspectives that a lot of the change is accelerated and able if people just start working with numbers, seeing at the numbers, seeing what they can do, and this is starting conversations, they see a shift, they think about the shift, and this all hasn't happened before. So just getting out, trying, improving from that, a little bit like this rapid prototyping approach that you also have in, in producing and doing something not just trying to perfect everything before you roll out something, but just doing it in a more interactive way, getting um, something out to create appetite with people. I think this is a very important element of change management here, and we have seen this quite quite a few times. Thank you very much. Andre Hutnizak, I'd love to hear your comments on what Martin just shared. Thoughts? Agree? Disagree? Andre? I think, I mean, I like, because, uh, I mean, I like the data, to be honest. Um, so... I mean, I don't remember who said that, but I think there is a notion in God, in God we trust, all others bring data. So, mm-hmm. I mean, having data, being able to, to look at it, I mean, it's, it's a really, really powerful tool to manage performance, to improve performance. So, I mean, I absolutely fully agree with that. Um, I think another topic that was mentioned was about the prototyping, leveraging the the tools to do something. It is like using the, the, the blocks, I mean, like Lego uh, or, or the others. I mean, is, is, is playing with things. I think we have so many opportunities today to, to construct things, to test them in the proof of concept way, to see would they work, would they not work. I mean, will this be done quicker, faster, do it in a small scale, maybe for a couple of countries, maybe for part of the process, leverage the dynamic processing modeling, see how it will look like, and so on. The abilities, the the possibilities that the the tools also bring in this area are, are absolutely immense. And with the vision, if we couple this with the great vision, uh, imagining how different things can be, uh, I think it, it creates um, such a strong uh, possibilities to, to really create a breakthrough innovation 
um, going forward. So, yeah. Thank you, Andre. And I looked up your quote in the quote, uh, In God We Trust, All Others Must Bring Data. Great quote, by the way. It's W. Edwards Deming, or Deeming, however you pronounce it. I think it was Deming. William Edwards Deming was an American engineer, statistician, professor, author, lecturer, and management consultant. Busy guy. Lived from 1900 to 1993, and he won the, uh, let's see, all kinds of all kinds of awards. The National Medal of Technology and Innovation. He's a graduate of Yale University. And another one of his quotes, I think you will very find this very interesting, the panel. He says, it is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. <laughs> I I think we could have used that on this show. That's a beaut. I'm going to have to tweet that. Chris Juneau, I'd love to circle around to you. We've had some really good input here. Martin started it. Andre added to it. I've got about two minutes till we go to our predictions crystal ball round. But Christopher Juneau, I'd love to have you talk on that. What do you think? Sure, I I think with regard to providing employees with the in, uh, absolutely, it's uh, building a performance culture and then providing analytics. No, that doesn't make sense. And we're seeing it actually in the research that we've been doing with with CFOs and uh, whether head of accounts payable, CFOs or treasury and so forth, where they're moving from control and compliance uh, to we need to provide as much information. And they're saying they're using, I'm hearing over and over again, we need to empower our employees to make the right decisions. And they can only make the right decisions if they have the data. And we trust our employees to make the right decisions when they have the information and which ties into the tap, the growth of tablets, and you know, permeating the enterprise and so forth. Because now you have you have the the format or the footprint to deliver that information to employees in a real time basis. Thank you very much. And, gentlemen, we are at that point in the show where I'm going to circle back to our opening speaker, Andre at Capgemini. Andre. Take a look in the crystal ball. I'm sure you got it handy out of the wherever you keep at the attic, the boat shed at the back of the office at Cap Gemini, and I'm sure you took a look at it and said, ooh, that's interesting. Something is coming in the future. I'm going to share it on the show. So, Andre, I love the year 2020. It just has that ring to it, you know. But how far in the future can you see what's ahead for our topic, streamlining your finance operations or specifically on finance shared services and everything we've talked about? Andre, I can give you one minute for predictions. Go ahead. Okay. So looking at, at this, I mean, some of this is not really 2020 agenda. I think some, I mean, most of the things are happening today already. I mean, big focus, first of all, on automation of the transactions that are not adding value. So that's one thing. Another one, leveraging data, I mean, big data, sometimes little data to make predictions to focus more on the future, leveraging the past, but focusing on the future rather than uh, analyzing the past data, and heavily automated, heavily robotized, and, and focusing primarily on, on what really matters, which is the client, which is the customer, and the user experience that, that really, really matters. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point and appreciated. Great predictions. Let's turn to you, Christopher Junot at Concur. Chris, we didn't get a chance to talk about your passion. I know travel, but if you want to blend that into your predictions, I'd be happy to have you do that. And I can give you about 90 seconds, Chris Junot. Go ahead. I'll, I'll take that 90 seconds. And I, I would just okay. more be specifically, I, I, I foresee by 2020 that financial shared services will begin to even transform themselves because over that time they'll be delivering cutting-edge technology, whether to the tablet, to the mobile device, uh, for automating these various business processes and delighting their key stakeholders and, in doing, and delivering deep insights. And I believe that organizations will, in 2020, look to these financial shared services to go beyond the walls of finance and to other areas to accomplish those same things, delivering the right experience and delivering the deep insights, and not just within financial services. Oh, very interesting. Do you think there's going to be a, a trickle-down or a trickle-out effect, Chris, if, the, if finance is starting this? Do you think they're going to become the leaders and everybody will say, wow, look what works for finance. Let's use it throughout the company. Or where, Who's going to be the, the fountainhead, if you will, to, for this movement? I believe it will be finance. I believe it will be finance. And that, that was my earlier comment I made about now the, the dynamic tension between finance and IT, where IT is having to chase finance now, who's making those key technology decisions, now seeing as being seen as more forward-leaning in terms of technology than, than IT. So I believe it's finance. 
Thank you. I think that's good news. Uh, always interested. I'm always intrigued about the conversations here on financial excellence and wondering if young people anywhere in the world hear these conversations, if they're going to say, oh, I want to be like Andre Hutnizak and I want to be Christopher Junot and I want to be Martin Narashevsky when I grow up because what they do for a living and their insights and their thought leadership sounds interesting and intriguing and exciting. You think we will inspire somebody to join the finance profession, Chris? I certainly hope so. I certainly I hope so. We need bigger brains and bigger minds uh, <laughs> in, in every point of the business. <laughs> we'll just leave that one on the table. Martin Narashev, we have bigger brains and bigger minds on this panel. I'm convinced you're all very smart. And Martin Narashevsky, I'm going to turn the last minute of predictions over to you. So what do you think is coming in the future? Go ahead. Yeah, thanks. And I, let me just build on what was said before. Um, I believe by 2020, at least the first customers will have lights out finance processes in place. Lights out finance is basically the ultimate stage of automation in the shared services environment, um, where basically human interaction is only monitoring, controlling the processes, maybe approvals, exception handling. And um, the interesting thing is that the shared services movement, which has basically paved the ground, as we discussed earlier, by providing the standardization of processes, and which was the key enabler for using technologies, these very shared services centers will then disappear to a certain degree. Again, there will be centers of excellence, but it's not by far not as much um, the debate that it has today because there are just fewer people doing transactional work and more and more of the work will shift to these other people we are just talking about um, who are analyzing or data scientists uh, and so on in order to really help make something out of the information rather than filling the system with information. Thank you very much, all of you. I really appreciate it. So happy to have the three of you on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights. Andre Hutnizak at Capgemini. Thank you, and please send our regards to your colleagues at Capgemini. Christopher Junoa concurs. Same thing. Martin Narashevsky, and we are going to do a shout-out to Chris Grundy at SAP, who sponsors this series. As I said, this is Season 5, and great insights, Chris, great topics, and a shout-out to his teammate, Benno Eberly, who helped put this together. Thank you, Benno. Good panel, good topic. And we're going to say a uh, shout-out to Michael at Voice Voice America World Talk Radio, who is recovering from a broken ankle or foot or leg, and I hope the cast is off, Michael. Thanks for getting us on the air and the extra work to get Andre with us. Andre, so glad you could join us. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. What are you waiting for? Fasten your seatbelt right now and go out and be a game changer today. Talk tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers at 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.